Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. Now, all right, Zach, you were about to to say something to Layton about shared. Oh yeah, Game Grumps. Yeah, yeah. Vernon and yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't Sorry, seen please. Him in a while. I'm, I have to jump in real quick. Do not say his name. If we say his name, he'll he will show. Yeah, he'll show. I haven't seen him in a long time. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can't believe we haven't done like any somebody being at either of our places in person to just like burst in. Pop in. Well, especially since lives next to you. <laughs> like a 60 <laughs> second walk from me. Yeah. Yes. I would say though, Brian, your door and the way light just, I'm waiting just, for... just like Jesus coming through the door. Somebody's <laughs> well, got to do oh it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you guess who that who that might be most of the time? It is my daughter who... If she's home while I'm recording, every once in a while, not that often, every once in a while, click, Daddy? Hi, Layton! <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know, on, on, then yeah, it's yeah. off to the races. But school's back up now, right? School's back. School's back. This is day five. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And oh, look, I don't want to get too real. Is it is it going okay? Is it rough? I mean, Immediate it's... problems with Oof. another girl who was being... Okay. I, I try to have... A very measured reaction to things. This girl was passing some unfriendly notes last year. Mm. Is this the same this the girl same that we've discussed? Okay. Yes. So you're getting right back into it. Just right beginning of new year. We said new year. It's been the summer. You know, they're in fourth grade now. Like personalities change. Life changes. People grow up. People grow down. There's all sorts of stuff that could reset. So let's hope for the best. Day one. We pick Audrey up from school and she's like, oh my God, kid, let's, let's think of a, a pseudonym for this kid. Layton, what should I call this, this little girl? Uh, uh, stinker. <laughs> stinker. Okay. Yep. A tentative improv is no matter how you dislike the other person's suggestions, you yes and it. And so yes and <laughs> yes, stinker. Great. I love it. So stinker is already up to some stuff. Stinker's already up to some stuff. Uh, stinker gives Audrey a note. On day one, drops it at her feet that says, it's a new year, so I've decided to give you a second chance. <laughs> so Audrey was like, isn't that great? A second chance. And I was like, I was like, OK, the, the sentiment <laughs> is good. The fact that this girl is like assuming this position of power yeah. and doing this very manipulative thing. Wow. Is not OK. The next day, first thing in the morning, another note. I gave you a second chance, but you're blowing it. <gasps> wow. <laughs> and so Man, I'm having trauma like flashbacks right now. I don't miss this no. <laughs> at all. Wow. The no. worst. Kids are so mean. Kids are so mean. And of course, you know, there are two sides to every story. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I try to be even handed about this, but I'm like, this is unacceptable. So I said, let's see what happens the next day. There's more drama the next day. 
and I'm like, okay, we're, we're intervening right now. You know, generally I'm like, let the kids work it out. This is straight up bullying. It's not happening. Yeah. I'm not letting this happen to my daughter. Uh, and she like to her credit, it wasn't like ruining her day. She has been very good. We've been talking to her about like how to deal with it. And she's been very good about being like, I don't fucking care, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, still I don't want it to escalate. So we get in touch with the school School's very sympathetic and proactive about it. They take some steps. Seems like things are re-equilibrating. But yeah, I was like, I've decided to give you a second chance. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> a a no. fourth grader coming back Ooh. from a summer break to immediately resume their reign of terror. It's all she's is... got. She's a bully. It's all she's got. Yes. True. Terrorizing. That's all she's got. So the twist here is these kids used to be best friends. Oh, and no. And like, oh. Yes. Oh, no. You know, I was bullied in school, Same. which is, I know you look at me and you're like, what a shock. I'm so cool. <laughs> uh, but yet, yet it did happen. People, it can happen to the best of us. So I, you know, I was like mercilessly bullied uh, around that age and uh, all the way through yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but, it, it, you know, I, so I'm, I'm very sensitive about this and I want to make sure it doesn't happen to, to my kid. You're handling it well. I think about this sometimes. Like when we decide to have kids, I'm like, I don't know how I'll deal with that because I got bullied really badly oh, too. I, I got it. I got the plan, guys. <laughs> oh, you got a plan. Parents yeah. lean in. Uh, this is really interesting. No parenting interesting experience over because here, by the way. <laughs> two dogs, Zach, two. Oh, wow. You said that. <laughs> Same thing, right, Brian? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. The, no, two dogs. Actually, the, the math that I use is four dogs equals one human child. <laughs> That's also, that's tax advice as well. <laughs> I actually had a very similar experience when I was in third grade. There's something about that age where you're self-aware enough to start being self-conscious yep. or try to take control. And it also happened between me and my best friend. Mm -hmm. We were two peas in a pod. And I remember one time she borrowed $3, which is a lot of money for a nine-year-old, especially in the 90s. Yes, You right. could get so many packs of gum. And I remember she didn't pay me back. And I even remember being a nine-year-old being, I should be chill about this mm -hmm. for a day or two or a week. And I'm like, you owe me money. Yeah. <laughs> this is my attempt at being a debt collector at nine years old. <laughs> And she totally blew me off and I was shocked. So yeah. I went home and I talked to my dad about it. He's Chinese. He does martial arts. He can, you know, shoot a fly with a rubber band. You know, <laughs> like if Mr. Miyagi were a dad, maybe that's my dad. Uh -huh. Anyways, I was like, dad, she won't give me my money back. And he said, well, maybe you don't have to be friends. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I cancel that friendship. Okay. Damn. Yeah. I set down a boundary. I think this is the first one that I can think of in my life. And there was a backlash. Yep. And then she started passing nasty notes. Yep. And she Third said, grade. I have uh -huh. big teeth. <laughs> you have big teeth? What? Yes, that was her diss. And I didn't even know what to think about that because I didn't know teeth had the possibility of being. Small and good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And she put against Malika Army Club. 
And then she started using uh-huh. it as an acronym. A-M-A-C. A- yes. And then, you know that scene in Harriet the Spy where there is like the whole class is against her? We actually just read this with Audrey, yes. That was where I learned empathy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a defining character moment right now. Defining this is a defining character, character moment, moment. <laughs> in my, my story arc. But third grade especially and we've you know anecdotally heard this from a lot of people and teachers especially for girls this is when like the drama starts <laughs> and alliances start shifting and you're like no they're so little they're like eight but there's already the queen bees and they're vicious they are yeah and boys get to go just a couple more years just a couple more years before they get real dumb <laughs> yes, third, third to fifth was also the blossoming of drama, which for my conflict avoidant people pleasing ass was not enjoyable. But similarly with the mean notes, the best friend, you know, friendship <laughs> disintegrating. Arc. Yeah. Yep. I'm so glad I'm not a child. I don't know how I'm going to hear these stories. And if we have a child who's like, I have a best friend in kindergarten, I'll be like, for now. <laughs> you wait. Also, <laughs> you my, wait. My dad said, be a leader. Don't be a follower. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. How do you do it? But it's it's like, it's really hard. So as a parent, you know, obviously my number one priority is that my kid is happy and healthy. Right. But also you want to teach them self-reliance and, you know, internal fortitude and resilience. Right. So you're constantly playing this game of like, I don't know, go figure it out yourself, which is a good skill to have. No, there's no rule, right? That's the problem is you never know exactly when the right point to step in is because there's no right point. So you just have to feel everything out and hope that you're not going too far one direction or the other. So it's and it's scary because you don't want your child to be a pushover who can't stand up for themselves. But you also don't want them to be a total asshole bully. And you like (laughs) and you have to thread this this needle and especially at this crucial age when there are young nine-year-olds and there are mature nine-year-olds, right? At nine, you can be pretty little. And Audrey uh, is, is, is very young, I think, emotionally. And so you have these kids who, at nine who are like acting pretty little. And then you have kids who are acting like tweens. And I think it's hard for the little kids. It's confusing out there. Yeah. What would you do if your kid was a bully? Like that, I think about that sometimes. That's like, my fear. As a person <laughs> who was bullied really hard, I was like, I don't know what I'd do. Like, how would you have a monster in your house and how do you deal with that? I agree. You know, there's been nerds out there who've had bully kids. It's happened. What do they oh, do? A hundred percent. Okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let me preface after everything I ever <laughs> You're say. You're an expert, with this. right? I'm asking but, you, the expert. <laughs> you know, a, a, a lot of that does come from home and the home environment. How much, I think nobody really knows, and it varies case to case. But often, right, there's something going on that the kid is bullying yeah, because yeah. of, right? But yeah, I, I like to think that if your home is a good environment, probably, not always, probably, your kid is not going to be a bully. So, so my first concern, if Audrey was a bully, the reason I'm saying this is I'd be like, what is going on at home that I need to address, right, that is maybe troubling? Or what isn't going on at home that I need to address, like... Right, right. So that's number one. Number two, I would be fucking mortified. If I found that my kid... Look, my kid, she's the progeny of an alpha, and (laughs) she has alpha tendencies. So that's going to happen at some point, right? You know, alpha is going to alf is a famous saying that we we have said here. Um, That's why we watch Alf. 
all the yeah. time. So I, I would be mortified. If I found out that my kid was bullying other kids, I would be like, oh my, for exactly the reason you say, having been the, the target for so many years, oh, I'd be so mad <laughs> at myself too. Like not yeah. just at her, but at myself. And there are so many more ways that kids can bully each other now. Like I'm, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Smartphones did not become a thing that teenagers had until like seventh or eighth grade for me. And then high school was still, you know, back when Instagram was like a cute little camera icon and not, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing that it is now. But like I can't imagine Snapchat in middle school. I'm forty fucking eight years old. I can't imagine social media in middle yeah. school. It's bad. Even like the early like Facebook drama that happened in high school for me was just, uh, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like no. the idea of children having phones. <laughs> it really upsets me. I was out in New York this weekend and had dinner with uh, some old college friends of mine who have teenagers now. And Audrey's not quite old enough for this. So I had like vaguely heard of this, but they have phone and social media contracts that they make all their kids sign. Whoa. And it's like, here's what we expect of us and you in terms of your use of social media and phones. And this is what, you know. If you break the contract. There are consequences. Yeah. I break the phone. (laughs) You know what? Honestly, that's not a bad, except you'd have to pay for another one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh, a contract. And, you know, these folks are like, they're really smart and great parents. One's a teacher, you know, is a high school teacher. She's my age, so she's been teaching for 20-something years, right? Like, has seen social media use go from, oh, this doesn't exist, to that's how everybody socializes. So it's very interesting talking to to these guys. Isn't it interesting living in Los Angeles when you reconnect with people you went to college with or high school, vice versa? You know, if you didn't grow up in L.A. and then you you go back and you talk to them and you're like, time moves differently. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Yeah, you're 48, but you're hanging out with us right now. And I'm almost your age, so I don't mean that in a, you know. But uh, it, that feeling of, oh, like, I have people I went to high school with that that are grandparents, and I'm not kidding. We spend all day kind of, like, chasing that youth out here, with whether we're conscious of it or not. It's just, like, everywhere. Oh, no, totally. Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff I do, this being a primary example, is with people significantly younger than me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Leighton, you are basically half my age. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff, Game Grumps, not with NSP so much, but, you know, a, a, a lot of people I work with are way mm. younger than I am. And I do want to acknowledge that it. Layton's, yeah, like, I felt it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I felt got it. worried, too. I felt it, you know? I'm used to being the baby in situations. That's just kind of how it's been, and it's mm-hmm. fine. I think I have had like enough experience or at least I'm out of the like 2021 range where it's like, I can't even legally fucking drink. So I'm just going to get dunked on now at 26. I'm a little bit more like, all right, fine. Yeah. And I would never personally dream of dunking on you ever. Oh yeah. That's never happened. No, I feel very protective of your emotional well-being, of course. (laughs) Where's the lie, Brian? (laughs) Everybody, this is Late Night with Brian Wecht. My name is, of course, Brian Wecht. Uh, over here, sitting across from me, we have Leighton Gray. Leighton, say hi to everybody. Hi, I'm here. Two. Great. Not one, but two mystery guests. Would you care to introduce yourselves? 
Hi, my name is Malika Lim Eubank. I'm a game designer and also the CEO of HyperRev Media, also known as HyperRPG on the interwebs. And I just produce stuff, try to get people paid and treated right, and make things. Yes. And I'm her husband, uh, Zachary Lim Eubank. And I also, too, as well, I am uh, one of the owners of Hyper, but do creative directing over here. And, and we make stuff. You guys make a lot of things. But a lot of very cool things. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. So we can talk a little bit about how we know each other. There are a lot of people that we have in common, but the thing that we have worked on together is you guys produced a Ninja Sex Party music video directed by our mutual friend of all of us, the amazing Ethan Nestor. Uh, And since we have stayed in touch and seen each other at various things, including, wait, okay, at Creator Clash, you saw me and I straight up ignored you. Is that correct? (laughs) You said that, sure, okay. if you want, yeah. if that's the story. No, it's unfair. You are so iconic with your outfit. You're a living <laughs> mascot. You're an IRL emoji, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Brian, hi. And I'm being all, oh, I've got to cover up because of COVID. There's so many, all the creators are flying in from everywhere. I'm super covered up. So where your mask makes you identifiable my mm-hmm. mask makes me just some rando. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. And at those events, I think even as a public persona, you have to be a little guarded yes. because uncomfortable situations happen. So I, I could see in your, like the wheel spinning in your head being like, I'll be nice because I'm a nice person, but yeah. I don't recognize. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, well, uh, if it makes you feel better. I have zero memory of this happening uh, <laughs> because there was a lot going on there. And this is no yes. reflection on you personally at all. It's just like None there was taken. a lot going no. on. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you for understanding. There's also the feeling of like, I had this at Creator Clash a bunch, especially after a couple of years of COVID and, you know, not being at conventions all the time where I, it's like, I know you and I know that you're like, hey, good to see you is covering up that you don't remember me. And that's fine. We <laughs> don't fine. have to do this fiction it's all right <laughs> the, the the problem and i am definitely guilty of this is when you've pulled that on somebody like 10 times and they're like <laughs> we know each other like we <laughs> we worked together oh i always feel so guilty when it's like oh my god no the that, thing that really- happens to me that makes me feel really bad is i've done a lot of jobs where i've been remote technician where they've never seen my face, but I've spent hours live cutting or or doing a job, you know, and then I'll see them in public. I'm like, hey, what's up? We worked on that gig. Oh, shit. They don't have any idea who I am. Oh, I, yeah. They might have only heard your voice. Only heard my voice or not right. even like only seen text from me in the chat room. And I'm just the person running the thing. And I... I I feel like I know them. Because you've been staring spend, at their I face. I stared at them for, for many hours <laughs> and they have no idea who I am. And I, and I always feel real awkward and uncomfortable about that because I'm really bad with social stuff in general. So that mm-hmm. doesn't help. I'm bad at faces though. Zach makes fun of me all the time. See, your mask, like I said, it, it helped me. I was like, oh uh-huh, yeah, right. you, Brian. <laughs> she has straight up lost me in public more than once. And she <laughs> says it's because I just have average white guy face. But like, I just... <laughs> Blend into the crowd, and I'll be looking right at her and doing this, and she just can, 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 <laughs> can I can I be honest with you? And I'm not making this up. About two minutes ago, we were talking about recognizing. I was debating. I was like, should I tell Zach that he looks like an average white guy? And I didn't say <laughs> no, it. No. And I didn't I'm say it because I was like, 
I don't want to upset anybody. That's not true. I really do. Uh, but so I, I self-edited <laughs> that and it makes me so happy to hear you say that because I was like, okay, great. I'm you wouldn't not, be the first. I, 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 I do exist on the internet. <laughs> so people tell me this all the time. And we've mm-hmm. had other employees that even worked at this company that looked enough like me that people would confuse us. But really, it's just because we have that average white guy vibe of just, mm-hmm. yeah, got one of those faces, <laughs> you know? He, he also has one of those faces where, you know, some men, when they shave their facial hair, you're like, who is that? Yes. Yeah. I feel like it's the same way where if you meet somebody where when you meet them or the amount of time that you spend with them initially, they are wearing glasses or are not wearing glasses. That's permanently your imprint of them. And it will mm. always feel off even if it's been years and they're like either, you know, switch to contacts or whatever. And as somebody who intermittently wears glasses, mainly like I only need them if I'm driving at night or something, I especially get the seeing somebody from a distance and I totally know them and they're waving and I'm just not paying attention. At least I can be like, ah, oh shit, I'm not wearing my glasses. But I have totally <laughs> said that while wearing my glasses. <laughs> Late, I was going through old photos and I found some ones from... I don't know, six or seven years ago. And maybe it's just because we talk so frequently now, but I have no actual memories of you looking like you did when we first met. You know, oh, like a really hair? short, mm-hmm. like very light blonde hair. Yeah. Which was what you looked like then. There are pictures and you know, I cannot remember you looking like that, even though we were in the same physical space for Countless hours. I actually think the first time that you met me, I had waist-length black hair, which is crazy oh, to think about. At MAGFest, you're talking about? No, no? That, was, that was my natural hair. In college, I went through blue hair, green hair, half blue, half black, then black. And that was the first time I met you. And then... Wait, in person or over video? In person, yeah. It was the first time that I came to the Grumps office. Okay. I definitely don't remember that. You had waist-length black hair? Yeah, I did. <laughs> what? I... No, don't remember that. At, yeah, at I've all. looked like seven different people in seven years. It's you sent me nuts. a picture of that. I can't even. Yeah, I can't. You know, it'll take me a bit, but I can do okay, that. Well, whatever. <laughs> at, at some point. Anyway, but I had a manic episode and chopped it all off by myself during a hurricane. So I, it was the worst my hair's ever looked. And the only way to salvage it was by doing a pixie cut. So that's what I did. I think the lesson here is we all need to kind of character create ourselves to be really (laughs) iconic, like a Disney or a Nintendo character. And then everybody will recognize you. (laughs) That's right. I want to talk about, you know, the stuff you guys do, because you do so many different cool things. The thing that I thought uh, Leighton would particularly be interested in, because she is a horror person, is the horror type of stuff. So we hung out a couple of weeks ago, and you were telling me about some, some stuff you did and are doing. Yeah. So... I thought that would be interesting to just throw on the table here and hear about. Uh, yeah, I just like spooky stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I really want to make uh, as much horror stuff as possible, but we kind of have cut our teeth in the live space doing live content. So we think a lot about how do we translate horror to live, you know, and like what is the experience of watching something live, say on Twitch for hours versus watching a horror movie where you know you have the ability to edit and good sound design and and really like set up a jump scare and really trying to get into what does it mean to do it live? You know, it's more of a tone. It's more of a feeling. It's more of a like deep, long, creepy buildup 
with a payoff, you know. And so we we experiment it's like with this that podcast, a lot. except for the payoff. <laughs> but we're we're almost at episode two hundred now, so I, I like to think of <laughs> if this anybody's one experienced deep, long... any form of catharsis in the past three years, uh, where is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Please in the comments below, uh, let us yeah. know. <laughs> But no, we, we're, we're always experimenting with that. We've got one in pre-production right now with our buddy Ethan, our mutual yes. friend Ethan. Mm-hmm. Love him. I don't want to say too much because it's a big right. secret. I figured. A lot of stuff we do, we also like to make it a surprise. That's one of the big things with live content is you'll get a better reaction if they don't know what's coming. And that means we'll do full productions where we haven't told anyone it's happening until they realize they're in it. And that's kind of what we've got cooking right now with Ethan is they won't know what's hit them until they're they're too deep in it. And then hopefully they'll be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and they'll just keep watching. So that that's the goal. And hopefully we can be nice and spooky and have some good commentary and all that good stuff. Can you talk about the previous one? We did one that was really fun. Oh, the, the me and you one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, For Valentine's We did a Valentine's Day. Day horror thing once where it was right around that time that... Uh, a couple of people had gone viral on Twitch for chair streams. This would be, you know, if one of you just got up and walked out of the room and accidentally left your stream on and all that's left is your chair and your microphone. Uh, and that happens. Sometimes streamers, when they get tired, they think they've shut off their stream and it's still up. And what would happen usually in those situations, their community would react very positively and try to flood that streamer with embarrassing, positive vibes when they wake back up and realize what they've done so they try to flood it with subscribers donations all that stuff when they come back they'll see they'll come back and see that there's thousands of people watching waiting for them but that in and of itself we were like that is part of what makes live content work you never know when that person he or she is going to walk back in the room and see so they wait and they just wait and they wait they don't want to miss it it's that that anticipation we're like what if we could use that anticipation for horror where it seems like it's a chair stream and then ends up being something else. So we had this idea that we spent a couple of weeks working on and it was going to... And it re- came to you in a dream. Okay, I remember, yeah, I remember you woke I, up and I woke up like, and I was like, I, have an idea. I, was like, I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it? <laughs> and it took us a while to get down because we had to do some plates as well. So like I started off by readjusting where our camera was for a live stream so we could kind of start tricking the viewers that, oh, this is our normal setup. It just so happens to be set in this corner where you perfectly see all the doors and entryways to I mean, our Brian, house. You're there. You're there. It's mm-hmm. you got like the window. That. You got the door. Yeah. Now there's just gonna be a face back there. That's right. That door could just open a little crack. Yeah. Yeah. Time, right. So we started training the audience on certain sounds that you hear whenever we're streaming and stuff like that. And then we had to film some plates. So I had to like really bolt down the camera and make sure it couldn't move at all for the course of a week. You know, because if it moved even a, a millimeter, I was like, well, that goes that that whole plate. So yeah, because for live, it has to be as seamless as possible. So we wanted to be able to intermix the live version of us in front of the camera in the middle of the night with these plates that we had recorded. So it was a big experiment. We didn't tell anyone in our community this in hindsight, big mistake, not to tell anyone we were doing this (laughs) because the audience didn't even get to the horror part. The social anxiety part was enough to freak them out that they got our stream shut down. (gasps) After a long Prep yeah, two and a half this, hours, right? weeks of prep. We had costumes, we had makeup. I put the full Solera, like contact uh, lenses in, yeah, yeah, demon yeah. possession. So the numbers are building. People are coming in being like, Zach and Malika, like we're pros and we somehow left our stream on. And we had like th- this whole story built up where like, we're going to go out for Valentine's Day dinner. We cut to our like in screen on Twitch. I had been playing Magic the Gathering and then we made it like 
while the end screen's up, you start hearing the sounds of Magic the Gathering underneath again, and then it just like cuts back to me full screen, and you hear Magic underneath. Like I didn't know that I was still live because I had already put mm-hmm. my phone away and I had already set up in the stream that tonight was a no phones night. We're going out to dinner for Valentine's Day. No phones. We're not going to work. And leave. So he right. set up all these things in the story and then stream's going great. People are freaking out. They're trying to get our attention. They're tipping. They're tweeting. You guys left your stream on. Your stream's still up. We go out. We actually leave to go get dinner. We set up a couple story beats while we're gone. Things that we'd been training the audience on like when our phone rings, that's actually our doorbell. So we like, as we were gone, I had it where I could remote control the lights and had the lights flash red when the doorbell rang. Get the audience kind of like, ah, they didn't pick up on that. They didn't pick up on that. It's just, they're not here. We shouldn't be watching. This is their house. This is, a, we're invading their privacy. So what we didn't anticipate properly, and we should have, we're smarter than this. We should have figured this out. When normal Twitch streamers do stuff like this, their audience is like, ha ha, you piece of shit, you left your stream on. <laughs> we'll, we'll embarrass the shit out of you. And we had created a really positive, not toxic environment. Uh, so their reaction was, you're invading their privacy by watching. This is their house. They live here. You shouldn't be watching this. Mute your streams. You Stop watching. You shouldn't listen watching. to conversations. <laughs> uh, perils of having nice fans, yes. Exactly. We framed ourselves to are perfectly in camera on the side, so you still see us, but we're looking off camera to a TV they can't see. We're watching Netflix. We're eating our dinner. We're talking. We're trying to build the tension and suspense. We're trying mm-hmm. to act extremely normal. Just normal. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to act like we don't have our phones on us either. So we'll have to like go off camera to another room, check our phone, and be like, shit, they're already starting to message people. They're starting to like message our friends and say, can you go over to Zach and Malika's house and tell them they accidentally left their stream up and we're watching them eat right now. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, shit. <laughs> so then we end up finishing eating and we like turn off all the lights but perfectly leave a couple very specific lights on that create really long shadows across the wall and i thought it was going to be obvious we were doing a bit oh my mantra yeah i thought it was gonna be obvious we were doing a bit we, i had okay, that's a shirt recorded a bunch of sounds of not just our dog barking but other dogs barking and layered them into the live stream And I'm like, you can see my dog on camera right now, but you hear a dog barking. That sounds like my dog. You know my dog. You're going to pick up on that, right? And I started layering in like a drone that was building over a course of two hours. Very ominous. A very ominous drone over a course of two hours to get to this moment. But they had told everyone to mute their streams out of respect to us. (laughs) Nobody could hear it. The silent killer. (laughs) Nobody could fucking hear it. And then all of a sudden, our stream goes down. So we had, we had gone upstairs. We had turned off all the lights and everything. And we were building. We're like, all right, we're going to let this build for another hour and a half before we have our big home invasion scary moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Didn't even get to it because 30 minutes after we turned off all the lights, they got our stream shut down. They, like, escalated to people who might have a direct connection to Twitch. And Twitch shut down our live stream. So we're, like, in a panic calling our partner up and that's it's 11 p.m at night you know so we're trying to get a hold of our partner up and we're like this is a bit (laughs) we are professionals if our stream is up it's because we fucking wanted it to be you you have to talk to us first (laughs) put it back up so we got them to release it and then we go back live but at that point all the viewers we had built up for this big like suspenseful reveal they left right and now it's like you come back up and because we came back up 
the few people that were left were immediately like, oh. Something's up. Oh, okay. You know, and it, so it took all the suspense out of it, just kind of like pulled the rug out from under it. Had they just kept waiting, we knew it was going to freak people out a little bit. Home invasion is a pretty... It's like, that's a little intense. Yeah. We'll make it very clear that they just got wrapped into a, a horror experiment by the very first thing you see is like a demon with horns that are wrapped around and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it was like, clearly not oh, real. Oh, and he teleports. And he teleports into the room. So we were like, that'll make it very clear. It'll still be spooky. It'll give people the... Ugh. We still did it. We still finished it. We had to. But the main goal of it failed. But we learned a lot. And, and for us, I came out of being like, the real horror is the parasocial relationship that the audience has with us. Mm-hmm. That yeah. they feel like they need to protect us so much that they got our company revenue stream shut down out of their parasocial relationship with us. And that, to me, I was like, I had nightmares about that, and I still do, about just like, we've gone too far. <laughs> right, because they, they think they're, I mean, it comes from a good place, It's right? a good place. We want to help. We love these guys. It's a good place. But they went so far as they were going into other people's streams who have worked with us. These aren't friends. These are just people we've worked with. They're going into their streams and saying, can you go to Zach and Malika's house? They left their stream on. Oh I'm like, God. whoa, fuck. So now I have to message all those people. I am so sorry. That is inappropriate. It shouldn't be happening i am so we sorry were getting text messages from yeah people we worked with are you okay yeah are you guys okay what's going on and all i have to do is respond back in all caps it's a bit and they're like oh okay you know <laughs> yeah but i still felt extremely embarrassed okay so I, i'm curious with the the fans you guys have yes is it possible to pull that thing off so how do yes. you get to do it so that they recognize it's a bit but doesn't kill the suspense. I would say, wait for this next project we got cooking with Ethan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we learned. We learned. We've been working on a, on a project for a long time yeah. that encapsulates everything we learned from that experience. You don't want to put a little thing, you know, a Chiron or whatever that says, this is a bit, you know. Yeah, we kind of have yeah. to. Uh, we've learned that we kind of have to, but because we have to, that becomes part of the story. To me, mm-hmm. part of the story and part of the horror is the audience's reaction to it. Yes. So part of what we're working on right now, it's just much about how the horror becomes the audience's reaction to it. And then we yeah. wrap the chat room into that and we kind and, of make them a part of it. Well, it's not a mystery that we're telling a story now. This is a form of entertainment. Maybe you don't know where it starts and ends exactly. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately you're the star of the entertainment and this is actually about you. And that's where we're hoping we can actually get some some spooky vibes out of it. Is and that from the, the you're putting the mirror on the chat. That, that shocked me. I, I don't know if I had nightmares about it, but I saw this comment over and over again when I talked to our community about it, which was we were trying to protect you so that just in case you say something you don't mean to on camera. And I was shocked because like, what do you think? I'm, I'm secretly racist or like, what do, what do you think I turn into when the cameras are off? I'm, right. Boom. They, I'm a different but that, person. Again, they're telling on themselves. I know. They're telling on themselves. They're like, I don't want people to hear what I say when I don't know they're listening. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. You can hear. You but know? I also but, just live such a like legal, straight edge, non-controversial, <laughs> boring old lady life. Yeah. We talk about food and we, we, we watch food shows food, on Netflix. I brush you know? my dog. <laughs> Well, I think it's it's such an interesting thing, too, because different communities would totally yes. gleefully be looking for anything yes. to run with. To stick it to them, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, even our, our friend Lasercorn, this happened to him. 
Notorious asshole. Lady. Yeah, right. <laughs> but his community actually made his stream go viral overnight, and they were flooding him with tips and everything so they could see his embarrassed reaction when he woke up in the morning. was like, oh my God, I left the stream on. So we were like, our community's similar enough to Laser Corns. They'll respond that way, right? No. No. They were even more parasocially, like, they didn't understand the boundaries, so. I feel like in that position, I would be worried that, or rather what I have watched actually happen is that when you pull off the bit, then people feel betrayed. Yes, we wanted that. That was part of what we wanted. (laughs) Hmm. For them to be a little angry and a little upset. We're often trying to put a commentary back on the viewer about the world we're a part of because it's awkward and it's fucking weird. And we think about it a lot and we've been live for so many years. I mean, this is our 10th year of live content and the relationships and how they form. And and we start exploring this more when we start working with Ethan, you know, because he's at another level of how that audience interacts with him. Mm -hmm. Right. And he has to deal with stuff that we've never had to deal with, but we're often trying to, put it back on the audience a little bit and be like, if you're mad right now, I want you to think about why. (laughs) Really think about where you are. That's the hope. Us expecting audiences to ever take that away. I mean, that might be a little overambitious on our part. Or That's very trusting of you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's usually they're just like, fuck you, and then they're out. (laughs) This is something I, I, I think about a lot is my particular style of comedy slash existing in the world is pretty deadpan. Mm-hmm. And what that requires is for the people I'm talking to to realize that, no, I'm not being an asshole. I think I'm being funny. And is that fair? Something I think about a lot, too, is, you know, especially if you have a, an audience with a lot of neurodivergent people. Yes. Will this bit land? And it's not because that person is like dumb or whatever. No. Their brain just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so. I'm very curious with these kind of meta things and this very deadpan sort of thing, which which is the way I do comedy, typically yeah. speaking. It's a good year for you in content. I feel like that's where things are really going right now. After yeah. COVID, I feel like that really <laughs> took off. People were like, how do we deal with this? And we're like, I don't know. We give Nathan Fielder money and let him do whatever he wants. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting, too, is, you know, I am old enough to have seen the Gen X-y, you know, Ben Stiller, Reality Bites, Janine Garofalo, that kind mm-hmm. of very, mm-hmm. like, jaded, deadpan sort of comedy were over here that went away with like a lot of the Apatow kind of stuff, you know, and then got very broad and improv and, you know, big. Yeah. And I do think we're coming back more towards to towards that deadpan thing. Where I see the difference between the 90s deadpan and this is something that we've been thinking about a lot and how we approach it is the like younger people are okay with deadpan, but extremely uncomfortable with anything that's like real. They'll call it cringe. You know, they, like they, they react a little negatively to things that like, if you're truly enthusiastically loving something, there's a, there's like a weird reaction to it. You know, like it's hard to have just simple likes. There's gotta be something wrong with it. You're not allowed to just like something. You have to find what's wrong with it. It's a very negative approach to it. So you have the deadpan, but then it's kind of like, you can't have that vulnerability within it. And I think that's really important that you need that vulnerability within the deadpan humor. But, but. you have to sort of, for want of a better word, fake that vulnerability to seem like a real person. Not f- Fake is too strong a word. If you're totally invulnerable, you know, if you're some like hype beast type person, like yeah. that does not come across to me. I hate that type of persona. I do not want to see that person. But, mm. you know, you need 
to be vulnerable in order to connect with people just as a human and as a creator who, who wants a fan base. And it's always that thing that's unclear of like how much of myself am I willing to reveal? And for me also as a, you know, I have a, a, a wife and a kid. Do I involve them in my right. creative life? Clearly uh, you do. Like clearly I do, <laughs> but how much, you know, I, right. we don't put Audrey on camera. We, we don't, you know, do things without her consent. Ra- Rachel's a performer. I mean, I ask her before I put stuff up, but she's cool with it. Like, she she does this for a living. But it's the, the vulnerability thing I think about. I had to make a choice, right? When we started in Just Sex Party, I had a whole academic career and was doing that for a while. But in the band, I was in a mask, right? You couldn't just look at it and be like, oh, that's what that guy looks like. And when I could see that it was turning to, oh, this is getting popular, I remember making a specific choice, which was like, I should really be putting my face and name out there because otherwise I feel like it's going to be missing an opportunity that I will regret. Not for this. I think for Ninja Sex Party, actually, for Ninja Sex Party specifically, the funniest thing would be to never know who that ninja is. Yeah. Yeah. But for other things I might want to do. As an artist, yeah. As an artist and other opportunities, I'll want people to know, hey, that's me and, you know. But I feel like that's coming from your... uh you're of a certain age, like myself, and we have that reaction to it. But I think a lot of young people want that anonymity. That it protects them a little bit. And they're kind of brought up being told mm-hmm. to do that because the internet's such a scary place. And don't be yes. your real self. Don't reveal your real self, you know, because right. then you might not get a job later or whatever. They're, they're kind of fed all this fear all the time. So we find a lot of our younger fans, they don't want you to know the real them or they protect it a lot, mm-hmm. which which seems good. Which I think it's fair. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But then you find this like weird intersection of like, but it's okay to be real too. It's okay to have real emotions and not say that that's cringe because somebody showed you that they genuinely like something. You don't have to dog on it. Yeah. I don't think people are really like that. I think that's just because I work on the internet, you know, and that's yes. how the internet works right now. Negative stuff rises the top in algorithms and gets more mm-hmm. engagement even from the people who disagree with it, just gets it more whatever. So it's it's hard. It's hard to be on the internet right now. We're, look, we're all anti-internet here, of course. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> yes. Throw your phones into the ocean. Yeah, it's our whole livelihood, but it's still, it's exhausting. Yeah, I think about the vulnerability thing a lot, right? Because the person who cares the least has all the power. And mm-hmm. like right. that is a really frustrating thing totally. to witness. And then you have creators who are trying to be vulnerable, but that, you know, automatically by being a face and a name, them being vulnerable opens it up for people who are not a face and a name. Like they have no true investment, whereas any attack on the person with the face and the name, that is like a direct hit. And I think that, you know, in real life, vulnerability is like, it's moving towards reciprocity with the person that you're being vulnerable with of, you know, I reveal something about myself, you reveal something about yourself, and we are connecting over that. With the internet, with this like imbalanced power relationship, I think there are forms of intimacy that you can have, but that's not real intimacy. And I think that anybody who's trying to sell you like, we're best friends, like, no, that's a snake oil salesman. Like, it's it's also tricky. I I spend so much time thinking about this stuff and it's really depressing. I I, I think you can be honestly and genuinely appreciative of your fans and say, when someone says, we love you guys, that does not necessarily ring false to me because it's like, no, I love that you are there and I appreciate you as a a fan base. And I think people can say that and not sound fake. I think they can genuinely, genuinely mean it. 
And I know that we've we've had people who watch our content that when they say like, oh, this thing you did it. And when I was younger, I was a little more like, I don't believe you. But now I, I, I do. Like when people are like, oh, your, your content changed my life. And, you know, like now we've been doing it long enough that it's like the coolest thing to have people who were like, 14 or 15 when they watched your show and they're like i wrote a college thesis paper on your thing that you made and i'm like whoa what the fuck you probably thought about it harder than i did you know like <laughs> i just made it but it's a huge honor so i really yeah Absolutely. i also believe they, they truly love it I th- and i'm not talking so much about our fans it's more just like the internet when you show that and i think this is the right format podcast is a perfect place for it it is a current form of content where you're allowed to have these long-form conversations that's right yourself be more real it's like but you get on instagram tiktok twitter things like that and you try to like grow your brand and it's like uh (laughs) you show any like real you're gonna get slammed down and and they make it a game to like punch you down you know I, i don't think i really realized this at the time but i think one of the reasons i wanted to do a podcast and specifically this kind of like long form podcast is because I had nothing that I felt like, Oh, that's kind of me out there. And I do not like existing in sound bites, you know, sure. Mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah. I tweet, sorry, I post on X, uh, short, <laughs> short things. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. But I, I, one of the real advantages of doing this show is, and this is probably, it comes from science training a bunch is, it's hard to make a good point in, you know, 140 or whatever characters or a 30 second video, everything interesting, you can blow it out and have a nice long conversation about it. And if I want to have any genuine version of myself out there, it can only, it was true for literally everybody, by the way, it can only exist in long form content, which is, I think the fun thing about doing the show, we get to talk about it. It's not an interview so much as a conversation. Yeah. Well, you would have to learn how to communicate differently if you didn't want those, you know, you talk about the bits and whether or not people understand. Which I've never done. That you're I don't taking. do bits on the yeah, show. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. People won't get it unless you have this long form. You would have to completely change the way you communicate if you wanted to be more accepted, you know, within a smaller short form format. But that right. makes sense because everybody has this feeling we all contain multitudes, you know, right. and I think sure. real human connection is seeing that, you know, like I see that in you, you see that in me, that kind of thing. But my designer brain has too much fun trying to distill that down to those moments. As a game designer, I'm really like minimalist and everybody also at the uh, in the office makes fun of me because I have these Malika-isms. Uh-huh. <laughs> Such like, as? Well, hold on. Let's, let's ask Zach. Zach, what are her mannerisms? Then we'll go back to you for what are his uh, mannerisms. Malika-isms are hard to... I used to have a note on my phone. I'm so mad that that phone died and I lost it. Remember any of them? Can you give us one? No, they happen every day. It's like one of those things when it becomes so commonplace and it happens every single day. We at the studio are always just like, uh-huh, okay, yeah, uh-huh, uh, okay, yeah. So it's hard to even remember because they're, to her, it's just how Malika talks. I'm Asian. My dad brought me up a certain way. You know, be a leader. What really defines a Malikaism is a strong statement without context. So, Malika, can you give us some examples of these? That well, well, sometimes, you know, our clients ask us to explain, like, content strategy in Twitch. And so a big one that Zach, Zach has used. Well, it's, a good, is, it's a good one, but, is, but I usually put context before it. Is that Twitch and a format like this is a dialogue, not a monologue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. So that's like slide, idea, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, But what makes that a Malikaism is just... Slide. Slide number one. It's a dialogue. 
not a monologue. <laughs> and then you're like, cool, that sounds great. What are we talking about? <laughs> but this is the tactic. And she's like, you leaned in. I got you now. You know, yeah, and that right. and it works. But Well, last week I was pretty proud of this one, which was we were talking to a, a client that's an advertiser from the advertising world. And I said, eyeballs can be bought. Trust cannot. <laughs> These are Malika's. Like, wow, that, these are good slogans. I like these slogans. Yeah. I think they could be t-shirts. <laughs> are there, is it, Malika, is there a similar thing with Zach? Does he have Zachisms? <laughs> he has expletives. Yeah, expletives <laughs> are more. Yeah, that's that's grunts and uh. Do you two have a good cop, bad cop thing with clients? No. Well, I would say that we have different approaches. My approach isn't the best for business, and there's a reason she's the CEO. Don't worry. I got a slide for that. <laughs> <laughs> she has a much better approach and a more friendly approach. And I am one of those honest to a fault people, which I had to learn the hard way is not really good in business. Ooh, yeah. uh, if, I, if I start conversation with somebody like, can we do this? And I go, that won't work because of this. I'm like, I just started our whole conversation oh, relationship with me saying that that won't work. I had to, again, this is science straight through and through. I had to learn to not say stuff like that. Yeah. To just people in general, one of those being my wife, because that statement, even though it comes from a good place, does not make people happy. It shuts it off. And I get that. I make that person defensive immediately. They think I'm attacking them, which in reality, it's my expertise coming at an idea and trying to form a better one. But I know that's not how it's received. So I'm like, I shouldn't be the one leading these conversations at first. Malika is much better at this. Malikaisms make people like, wow, okay, let me think about that. <laughs> Instead of me yeah. just being like, no, that won't work. But over time, clients do appreciate, but it takes time. People also, as I learned, don't like questions. Like lots of questions. Like yeah. too many questions. You know what question people really hate? Why'd you do that? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a bad one. People like, I've gotten in trouble with that question. Because they're like, what are you saying? You know, it's like, no, no I, I'm genuinely asking. Because the, the way I think that question reads is, that was a bad choice. Right. It, it reads, what have you done? Yes. Right. Well, I, no matter your intention, and this is something I've struggled with a lot. And when I first started out doing business stuff, I had like a guy helping mentor me. And he was, he was great. Shout out Mitch Gittleman up in Seattle of Hairbrain Schemes. He was a great manager. He has a very similar approach to me, but people like him. And I was like, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah. My approach it's hard. makes people immediately like, fuck this guy. And, and. <laughs> But he oh, figured I, it out. I live in fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's my, uh, that's my and wheelhouse. Like, I like people a lot. That's the thing that always frustrates me the most is I have that kind of like, one of the things I deal with that probably leads to this disposition is I live in constant chronic pain. I have a disability. But when you first meet me, you're not going to know that. I did not know that yeah. about you. So that's why I have resting asshole face is because I'm in my head. I'm going, fuck! All the time. <laughs> and I'm just trying to keep it down. I'm trying to like keep my blood pressure down keep all the things in order and just get through the day. Can you say more about what, what your disability is? If you want, yeah, you yeah, yeah. To. It's, it's a Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So it's like a tissue uh, connectivity disorder, but it's in my joints and my tendons. So I've oh. had surgeries and stuff. And, but basically just causes every joint in my body to constantly dislocate, fall out of place. Oh my God. Tear, tear yeah. things, mm, all that kind of pinch nerves, all, all that way. kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, so it's just a, a constant chronic pain kind of thing, which is not so much like a knife in your side kind of pain. It's more of, it's just, it's always fucking there. Low to high grade thing. That's just always. Yeah. Yeah. It's a chronic yeah. thing. It's always there. 
my stress levels dictate how much of it I feel. If I have my stress under control, I can keep the pain levels under control. But if I let myself get like too stressed out about another thing, all of a sudden the pain spirals because I'm not keeping it in check. Right. So right. to keep it in check, there's kind of a constant battle of keep it together, which causes a lot of resting dick face. I understand that when I meet people, their reaction to it is, what am I doing to make him react to me this way? And, and I get that. It was a wise choice to enter the low stress world of live streaming. <laughs> yes. Then, yes. <laughs> this is the sad part of this. I excel in stress because of my condition. The good thing that comes out of my condition is you can't really put me in a situation that's worse than my day-to-day -day living. So I find that I do really well in high-stress situations. Because you know how to, like, get out of it. I know how to get out of it. I can lose it for a minute. And Malika's probably internally thinking, shit, dude, you freak out all the time. But <laughs> it doesn't go to bed with me. It doesn't stick with me. It doesn't stay with me. I can leave yeah. it. So something can make me really upset in a moment, but... I'm done with it. I'm not going to hold it. It's not going to stay with me. It's move on. Has this been a lifelong thing, like since you were a kid? It got the worst when I hit puberty, really. That's when it like took off. As a kid, it was just like, oh, look how flexible he is. He's super double-jointed and everything and blah, blah, blah. And then once puberty hit, my body like expanded out. It's kind of like the tendons were like rubber bands, and they just Oof. kept rubber banding out. And I didn't help with the way I lived my life. Like, my dad was very like, you have to be in sports. If you're going to be in this family, you have to do a sport. It creates good discipline. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, every time I throw a ball, my arm pops out of socket and then hurts really bad when it goes back in. Keep throwing the ball. <laughs> I thought everyone hurt that bad. I thought that was normal. And I was just being a baby about it and that I had to get over that. And other people could, they could throw the ball. I, I, what's my problem? You know? And then eventually yeah. we found a geneticist and a surgeon who were helping me and they were like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Stop sports. And they were like, you should be in a wheelchair. You should be like limiting your mobility completely. But no, it, it does shape my interactions with others. I try to let people know through the way we take care of people at our company and the way we're always like fighting for people. But what we've learned is the reality is most people only think about how things affect them in that moment. And sure. they go on with their lives. And it's, it was ignorant of me to think that people would be recognizing the things we're doing in, if you're not telling them. They don't. They don't. That, yes. Especially when you own a business, no one sees what you go through except for the people that are closest to you in that situation. All the like when we're working That's with right. actors and stuff like that, they only know how it's going to affect them right in that moment and how they feel right in that moment. So we've had over time to like try to make that experience as good as possible. Yeah, we're still fighting for people on the back end. We're still fighting really hard to get them proper pay and get everything set up, you know, and just like make that a never-ending drive. But they're never going to know that. And I wish they could because I also can't give them what they need in the short term, which is me being like, hey, good to see you. Oh, so great. Like, oh, you killed it out there. You know, in my head, I'm like, ah. But wait, <laughs> right. Right, right, it right. was interesting. Our, you know, our last kind of production, we as a team actually outline personal goals with the client. And one of our producers, you've met him. He's such a wonderful person. Shout out to Matt Acevedo. Yeah. Uh, another yeah, yeah. client producer described him as a golden retriever, but a human, you know? <laughs> like that's Super, super sweet guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super sweet. So I said, you, your goal is to make them feel welcome. Yeah. And he's so valuable on our yeah. team because I know what I give out. I actually do care that they have a good experience. Yeah. I just am bad at showing it. Sure, right. sure, sure. So it's like we need someone on the team who immediately makes people feel like, oh, they really care about me and that they can feel. And then my goal was to build trust. I felt like as the CEO, 
you know, I could speak to that level with the authority and everything. And then Zach, because he has so much experience that he was going to be the kind of table leg we lean on when we um, I'm a wobbly table leg. <laughs> we, 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 the we, wobbly leg. We present our strategy, but Zach has so much experience and so many success stories with all his work in live streaming that you can't make that up. That's just mm-hmm. a fact in our history. So, you know, hopefully the, the three combined of us together powers, with, yeah, with combined yeah. power, we can make and create an environment where our clients feel welcome, trust us, and respect our knowledge and what we bring to the table. When you own a business, you get to a certain point and the, the way you talk and the way you handle things where you get annoyed with yourself when you hear yourself because you're like, oh, we're starting to sound like one of those fucking TED Talks, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I was already there. I know. I, I was raised by a fortune cookie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to move on to, to segments pretty soon, but I'm curious if there's any other projects or, or past, future, whatever you have that you want to tell us about. Yeah. Yeah, we've got... A couple NDA things we can't talk about that are coming up. Can you talk about those, please? About. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I hate about our industry, too, because everybody wants to be working with influencers and people have a following. And then it's like, don't talk about it. <laughs> right. Like, well, that okay. All right. Fine. And, and sometimes it's don't talk about it. And oh, by the way, we worked on it for six months and now it's not happening. Yeah. Oh, right. God. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the the highest profile job I've ever done was something I worked nine months on that went really great and then it got canceled because of corporate bureaucracy and now mm. I can't say it. So you work Sucks. in the game industry. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right for the game industry. Yeah. Rip. We have some old news, could be new news again. We have ongoing projects that we've worked on for a long time. I host a travel show. It's called Travels with Malika. It got a telly this year. And I think the last episode was fantastic. So if you're ever curious about LA or if you love LA, I made an episode about LA. Uh, You can find it on my social media. Your social media is? At hello underscore Malika everywhere. (laughs) Nice. M-A-L-I-K-A for those of you. Yes, But Zach created Koloch with two L's in the middle. It's a palindrome. K-O-L-L-O-K. Yeah. It's pronounced Koloch. If you want to talk nerd shit, I could go on all day about... No, I'm sorry. We have a strict no nerd shit policy on this podcast. How many things we tried. And I, I was being really negative about audiences earlier. That show has made me fall in love with audiences again. Like in the terms of we set out to do an experiment to see how we could get audiences to interact with something and it worked. And it's been like our case study that we keep showing to clients who try to act like, Oh, kids won't watch this stuff anymore. They just want TikTok or whatever. And I'm like our primary audience on this horror show, live horror show is ages 14 to 21 women, you know, like, Mm. and it's three hours long an episode live and their retention rate is over two hours. So like, amazing. They're in it. They're in it and they do fan art. They cosplay the characters and they're doing so stories great. and all that stuff. And you're like, it's possible. And it's just, of course they are. Like young women are also dark and weird, you know, <laughs> and they're not being serviced in the entertainment industry right now. People talk down to youth. Yeah. It's like, oh, Wednesday comes out and it's a big hit. And it's like, no shit. You know, like they have nothing else. <laughs> it's like, have you talked to a young woman in the past yeah, five they're years? They're dark as shit, man. <laughs> like They're dealing with all this stuff before the boys that they're surrounded with all day are and they're they're having these mature thoughts so we found like you know emo girls weren't being serviced with a lot of modern content so we were like oh can we get them in and and that is like made me 
rethink our relationship with audiences a lot because we found like ultimately whatever faults were on us, we just have to give them the right things to do. And as creators, it's our job to figure out, okay, well, what are they looking for? What will engage them? And how can we make them feel like this is a show for them? And they got a lot of the really heavy themes. I mean, ultimately, each season of the show has dealt with different aspects of bigger things. And it's like, if we wrap them in some of their favorite creators who are Minecraft players, now we've got young kids thinking about the perils of capitalism and representing capitalism through and global warming and global warming <laughs> and shit like that. Like, you know, we're doing like really dark themes where like characters sign off pounds of flesh through contracts and things like that to represent student loans, you know, like a symbolic representation of signing away your future for capitalist society. And it's great. They get it. And then they get to talk about it and write thesis papers later about it. And it makes us feel like, oh, we did it, dude. I mean, we have a, <laughs> they, a, a they, postcard, they like a, a magnet to our fridge. It came from a fan that said, thank you for being a part of my high school experience. And, it, and they, were, they just graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And it was so That's heartwarming. So great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that makes it worth it for sure. When you have an audience that not only tunes in, but then they're like asking the right questions, you know, about like what does it mean? And they're the engaged. Story. We did a season that had a whole storyline about, you know, generational trauma. And they're like, wow, you know, like, what does this mean? What does that mean? And I relate to that. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, Kids aren't dumb. You just got to feed them the right stuff, you know? This is also, by the way, why I really hate it when creators, like someone will be like, oh my God, I loved your first album. And people are like, that album sucks. Like, like, no, 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 no. Like, you can think that, of course, internally. Don't yuck their yum. Yeah, exactly. And they're complimenting you. They're saying that they like your thing. I hate it. I hate it. I'm at fault for this, too. My brain works that way. So I am one of those people that that says that stuff. Because I'm like, I hate something I've done the minute I've done it. And I want to move on to the next thing. So it's hard for me when people are like, that show you guys did back in 2015. And I'm like, ah. I know. I get it. We've come so far. You just have to be careful not to say it to someone publicly. You know, all you could say is like, oh, my God, thank you. That means so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back to this recording to listen to everything you said about who's in power in those situations. Cause like it got my brain immediately like moving really fast because of a, uh, it's like a new perspective on it. Like the, how the person revealing the vulnerability have no power compared to the person who gets to just be, you know, the commenter or, you know, the, the anonymous person on the internet, like has all the power in that situation. I've never thought of it like that before. It's, Something that I think about a lot in regards to like uh, anti-fandom, I have this really good collection of papers that I have still not finished that's sort of on the like the corollary to fandom of people who intensely hate something so much that they are still fans. Even communities that are like explicitly dedicated to hating a s- certain person, everything yeah. or like that they're ranting doing about a particular <laughs> channel. I mean, it's, a whole, it's a whole genre <laughs> it's a of whole YouTube genre. right now yeah. where yeah. it's just like, anti-captain marvel channels yeah but it's like ultimately in an attention economy what you're doing is driving more stuff and there's like yes of course there are behind the scenes stats that i wish i could divulge about certain things but like these people engage a lot uh it's like some of your most hardcore fans might be the ones who hate you which i think is really interesting that's my goal but also the like cannibalizing of it all yeah, it's cannibalizing. Yeah. And I think you have to be in the right industry for that to be beneficial to you. If you make oh, a yeah. film, uh, how that movie performs is beneficial to you. So if people are hate watching it, great. If you're a live streamer and people are coming into your stream and they're harassing, harassing you or they're hate watching or like 
you're now effectively destroying the only thing that works. You're destroying the community and that community starts to rip mm. apart and that's your revenue. And then it's totally. just like, it can be so detrimental. And I find a lot of streamers walking on eggshells because of that, because they're worried about getting discovered or exposed, not in a bad way, just like, oh, if this one toxic fandom finds me, I'm done. Yeah, They'll just wreck me. Well, when you start consistently seeing how mercurial and how quickly people switch from idolizing to destroying, it's yeah. like... Best friend to bully. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, there it is. Yes, exactly. 100%. Full circle. You see how tenuous it is and how often like the things that cause that switch are incredibly mild or oh, misinterpreted yeah. or the public so does mild. not have all the information that you know people who are actually involved do. And it's just like... Everyone's talking out of their asses. Excuse me? If you like papers and you want to nerd out about this, I was in a graduate research program where we were doing, it was called Leveraging Fan Engagement. And the most engaged fans on social media, I'm talking about characters typed, whether it be positive or negative, most heart clicks or down votes. The reason why they engage is of a sense of advocacy. So if you Mm -hmm. feel like, you are advocating for protecting something that you love and Star Wars never had women as the main lead, you know? That's why they're so fired up is they feel like they're advocating for something. What I love about identity politics and where we are, like, with our current, like, and love's obviously a sarcastic word choice there, (laughs) of where people will align themselves to things just because they think it falls within an identity that they're supposed to advocate for. Right. And it's so easy to play it. And they get played constantly where, <sighs> you know, you'll yeah. see those lists where it'll be like games that are safe for conservatives to play. And then, <laughs> and I'm like, you have no media literacy because half the games on your list are so blatantly, obviously about not you, which The Boys is so smart. I Like the show The Boys, they're so smart with their critique of society. It's like they know that all the fans are going to love uh, Homelander. When Homelander boy- blows shit up with his lasers. Yeah, <laughs> and they know it. And then they put that character literally in the show. And then they make that commentary. And they still don't get it. They're still like, oh, anti-woke show, you know, with Homelander. And I'm like, oh my God, the media literacy is just non-existent. Is <laughs> but where they like find the advocacy for something where they're not even like grasping, they just attach it because it's such a shallow representation. And then they make it their whole personality on the internet. I think of that yeah. show... Mo- Mostly as an anti-Carl Urban show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on to segments. Speaking of uh, media and advocacy, our first segment on the show is our pop culture recommendation segment. Uh, Now, normally I like to I like to introduce this and tell you a little bit about the segment and, you know, where I'm kind of coming from personally with uh, with it. What I was thinking about when Layton and I first uh, came up with it. Uh, Actually, fuck your introduction. Welcome to What's Poppin', which was a segment that was named by our mutual friend, Ethan Nestor. And the theme song for this segment goes right here. So the theme song for this segment, which is going to come up in a second, is uh, it's something that we can't, unfortunately, you guys are live streamers. Uh, you know that you can't play audio uh, during during yeah. the recording. And so unfortunately, I don't have the ability to, uh, to play the theme song for you. But uh, the question I'm going to ask you is if we were able to play it and you were able to hear it, what do you think you would, uh, your opinion of it would be? Of the theme song that I haven't heard. 
In, in that world where you did hear it, what would you think? of it? In the world I did hear it. Do you want me to lie or do you want me to be honest here? All I'm ever looking for are like honest reactions. Mm. So if, if you were to hear a I, Brian Wecht original right. theme song, what would you have thought about it? That I would have heard it. Okay, great. Malika, yeah. opinions? It's called What's Poppin'. So probably I thought it was pre- very cute and charming. Great. It was. Probably. Probably. Awesome. Probably. And that theme song, I don't think anyone said this yet, that theme song goes here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Great. Now, uh, because I value women's voices, Leighton, uh, you go first. Uh, Leighton, what's poppin'? My fucking ulcer is what's popping. <laughs> oh, ow. Uh, you let that one go for a while. I was, I was like, someone gonna say like she set, she set this all up, man. You don't have to do this, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's how this show works. That was mercifully short. Uh, all <laughs> oh, things man. considered. Also, I reject the idea that I don't have to do that. But continue. <sighs> Look, I don't have Play- an ulcer, yeah. but you know. Th- I see it. I Someday. See it that's, that's the goal. All right. <clears throat> anyway. All right. What's popping for me is a book called Good Morning Monster by Catherine Gildener and also The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog by Bruce D. Perry. Um, they're, they're similar books in that they're both like a collection of therapist case studies of patients. They are so good. I read a ton of self-help and a ton of like psychology books and these are some of the best that I've ever read. Good Morning Monster is pretty like broad in terms of the different patients that it covers. The boy who was raised as a dog specifically focuses on like childhood trauma and like treating children who have gone through. I, I mean, that book has some of the most intense shit I've ever read. And I am constantly reading intense shit. So like big fat trigger warning for bad things happening to, ch- to children in that one. But I just found both of the books like incredibly moving and well-written and made me think about my own brain stuff a lot. So I really highly recommend uh, both of them for anybody who's interested in the brain. That's what's popping for me. Great. Uh, who else has popping? Who else is that Malika? What's popping, Malika? I, I feel go. like I'm like late to the train, but the sequel just came out not too long ago. But I am so impressed with Plague Story. Oh, yeah. As a game designer, it's my jam. You know, you may like a certain kind of music or something, but then musicians like another kind of music. I feel like, Leighton, I'm looking to you like, have you played it? Is it your jam? Because I have not played it. It is. Oh, my goodness. So there's this term amongst us game designers, ludonarrative dissonance. (laughs) It's when the game mechanic does not match the story. The quintessential example, Uncharted. Great guy. Why do you run around for hours shooting and murdering people, right? Plague Story uses the game mechanics to make you feel the fear of, you know, protecting your little brother, of being hunted, of running away, of hiding. It is so effective. And it's not a straight up horror game because I can't take too much like Mm. Resident Evil PT level stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was so... I do have to take breaks when I play the game because it is intense, but it is effective and so well designed. If you want to see like the perfect marriage between narrative and game design, I cannot recommend it more. Wonderful. I love it. Zach, what's, what's popping? Poppin'? What's popping for me? 
I would say right now the Shonen Jump app. Uh, I know this has been out for a long time. I don't know what this is. So my, you know, good buddy, Matt Acevedo, you know, we talk about manga a lot and I really love dark, creepy, weird manga. And he'd be like, oh, did you read this yet? And I'm like, no, volume eight just came out. And I, I was reading everything on Comixology and... I thought he was illegally reading everything online <laughs> with the because back in back in my day, uh, if you were going to read something on the internet as it was coming out in Japan, you were reading fan made conversions right, of right. those translations on free websites. They still exist. I just assumed that's how he was doing. It. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Now that I make a living, I want to pay for stuff, so I wait for the trades to come out when they're translating everything. And he's like, No, dude, just do the Shonen Jump app. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's an app where it's like you sign up for a monthly rate, and it's only like two and a half bucks or something. And as they're coming out in Japan, they're getting translated and the weeklies are like on there. And I, wow. so I've been catching up over the last month. I've just been catching up on all the books that I thought I was going to have to wait three more months for the next trade to come out. So uh, that's yeah, awesome. that's been, that's been my, what I'm doing every night as I try to fall asleep is reading hours of manga, trying to catch up on everything that wow. my employees have caught up on and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. If you like really dark stuff, uh, have you ever read PTSD Radio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's on my list. Oh, on fuck. my list. I, I love PTSD Radio. So I'm not a big manga person, but... I got lots of recommendations for you because that's my jam. And that's like oh, most yeah. of the stuff I'm looking for is that kind of Ito-esque, you know, like mm-hmm. very creepy, hit us, dark. hit us with some titles real quick. Well, anything Ito. Like, if, you're, if yeah. you want anything in that PTSD realm, which PTSD is so interesting because it's not... Ito-esque in a way, but it's still just like gets under your skin. And like, ah. Yeah, it's it definitely follows the, this is all a creepy build up to a really fucked up face, which yeah. I, I don't know who, who writes and draws PTSD radio, but uh, they're very good at doing a fucked up face. Yeah, 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 I love it. Yeah, I love those page turns where you're just like, I'm going to stare at this for a while and just yeah. let it let it sink in. I really, really like, not horror, not fucked up, <laughs> A little fucked up, but not horror. <laughs> uh, Die Dark. It's the same creator that did Doho Hedoro, which they made into a Netflix show. And if I was trying to encapsulate what kind of stories I want to tell, I'm like, oh, this woman's in my brain. This is amazing. This is exactly what I want. It's just fucking absurd. It's just so absurd. It's what I love about Mongo and what I miss about absurdist content in the United States where we often over-explain everything. We care way more about plot than tone and feeling. And manga's so good at just being like, that kid right there, he's 14 years old. He travels through space. His bones will make you immortal if you eat them, so everyone's hunting them. And he has a skeleton that rides on his back and they're best friends. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Go with it. Fine. Write a whole story Mm -hmm. around it. You don't need any more explanation than that. You don't need to know where he comes (laughs) from. All this other shit. Just like, that's the premise fucking have fun with it but it's so twisted the artwork they travel around in a dog that shrinks (laughs) but then gets big and it's their spaceship and this dog has an umbilical cord of itself that communicates with them inside the ship and everything has that like gross like you're living inside bones and corpses kind of thing but then it's got that like i'm a 14 year old boy and i'm traveling through outer space (laughs) but everyone's trying to kill me my best friend is death who is a giant big-breasted woman with spikes all over her body and she murders I'm for in. fun. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I just love it so much. And they do a great job of knowing what certain things people want from Shonen, where they're like, everyone's got to do a cooking issue with Shonen manga. So fine, we'll do it about how to make like corpse ground, like 
meat from uh, spacers that you murder and all this kind of stuff and maggots and everything. And they make an actual menu out of it. It's great. I love it. So that, that's a good one, but it's very absurdist. It's not a straight up horror. I like Orochi a lot. That's another one I really like that's kind of in that PTSD Junji Ito and the Dissolving Classroom is one I really enjoy too. Those are both like in that kind of realm that I, I think about all the time. Brad? Sick. Brian, what's uh-huh. popping? What's popping for me is a, a TV show that I started to watch a few years back and was not into. And then I had some friends say, no, 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 like give, give it a few apps because it's, it's actually really good. Uh, it's Star Trek Lower Decks, which is uh. the animated, well, one of the animated, but the I guess the There's first couple, yeah, yeah. That was Prodigy, which I think they just got canceled, and then there was an old, old animated one. I like Star Trek. I'm not like a super, super mega fan, but I do like Star Trek a lot. Next Generation was always my favorite, and so Lower Decks is an animated. It's a comedy. It's a straight up comedy that takes place kind of just after Next Generation. And there's like four seasons now, right? I think they just put out the fourth, like maybe wow. even the last week. And it's got great voice actors. It's got Tawny Newsome, who's always very funny. Jack Quaid, speaking of the boys. Eugene Cordero, a bunch of other cool people. Some guests from other Star Trek universes show up. I think it's really fun. It's a little too jokey at first. But after like episode three or so, I was like, all right, I'm in. I did that thing that. I say you shouldn't do, but I did anyway, where I watched episode one of season one. I was like, eh, nah, but any good show, you generally have to give it some time to bake. And now I'm really into it. So I'm partway through season two and really enjoying it. So yeah, Star Trek Lower Decks, it's on Paramount Plus with a million other Star Trek things of varying quality. But uh, this one, this one I like. Awesome. Great. Brian, should we do like one peach each, no lemons? Let's do one peach each, no lemons. No lemons. Oh, well, damn. can we do quick? No, let's do lemons. Let's do quick. We got to okay, do quick okay. lemons. In honor of our guests, we'll do hyper lemons, where we go quickly through our okay. lemons. So, Jarek, play the theme song twice as fast for peaches and lemons, please. Wow, that was a really fast theme song. Amazing. So we're each going to start with a lemon, which is the thing that is a minor bummer, annoyance, or just something to bitch about. So... I'll do my hyper lemon. Great. It's hot out and I'm very lucky to have a wall AC unit, except the other night I was playing Fallout 4 and oh, I no. heard a dripping noise and oh. it, I thought that it was in Fallout. But when I got up, uh, my entire dresser over here was covered in water because my AC oh. was leaking. Oh, no. And so I was for a couple of days, I turned it off and like oh, <laughs> boiling okay? in here. Well, I took it apart and I cleaned it and it was disgusting. And it's still disgusting, but now it's not dripping water anymore, fingers crossed. So great. Cool. Turned into a peach, but not Oof. having AC and also discovering that all my shit was covered in AC water. Not Brutal. great. Uh Zach and or Malika. I'll start. My lemon, my hyper lemon is uh Malika teaching me what HRV is in my health tracker apps and that mine is really 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 low. What is it? Uh 19. Um, no, no, what what is it? No, mean? what's an HRV? What, it's like your heart rate variable or something like that. How long it takes for your heart rate to recover and that the variable oh, between it. And apparently the higher it is, the more generally healthy you are and like I need more things to fucking worry about and be like stressed out <laughs> about my own mortality and she's uh-huh. all like, "Oh yeah, I saw on the app uh because we have one of those beds that tracks your like HRV and all that kind of stuff. And she's yeah, like, yeah. I saw on the app, yours is really low and low is bad. 
mine's really great. She's like, mine's 96. Yours is 19. I'm like, great, cool. How do I get that better? And she's like, I don't know. I think just because of your condition, it's always going to be bad. Maybe you've got a disease. I don't know. And then she just goes on with her fucking life. And I'm like, great. Now I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and think about this shit. affect her. All yeah. day long. You would think, as her husband, it affects her. But no, she just drops that information. Oh, yours is really low. Mine's great. Bye. And it's just, like it's like telling a five-year-old about climate change. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. drop that information. You're like, well, fuck you. Bye. <laughs> so I'm like looking up all this stuff online and everything's not helpful because it's just like, well, it varies person to person. But then I see anyone at my level. They're like, oh, you're probably dying. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, wife. Nice. This is that wife thing. You, you'll know if you're married. Where I'm like, maybe I'll finally do a sleep study this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did a sleep study the other day. I watched a lot of women sleep. It was very <laughs> enlightening. <laughs> uh, my lemon, real quick, is caterpillars. I love my garden. Oh. So do the caterpillars. In one day, like 24 hours, boom, lost my mint plant. Oh Very no! Upset about it. Mint is starting to grow back because I cut those guys in half. But um, I think it has white fungus. It's really funny because I wrote down that that's one of my peaches. The mint. <laughs> no, what? watching you cut caterpillars in half. I mean, they bleed green. <laughs> like what I wrote down, one of my it's peaches like is game. watching you go Rambo on garden pests because you get like <laughs> she becomes another person, and this, it's the little things in life and. The longer you're with somebody, the more you like really start to latch on to those little things that make you go like, oh, I love this person. But watching yeah. her in the morning before she does anything else, come back from outside with scissors in her hand. I got six. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got six of them. Body count's over 30 now. <laughs> <laughs> Brian. My lemon is very simple. I had a four hour flight delay yesterday and Delta Airlines. Not only was it a long delay, which happens. They would not give a reason. We got on the plane and the pilot was like, wish I could tell you why we're delayed. Nobody knows. Uh. So here's good luck. They don't pay me enough to give a shit about this. It was, right I've now. never heard like there's usually some a plane was late getting in, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Just amazing. We're delayed. Didn't we feel like it. No one told. Yeah. I found out I was about to get to the airport, which was a two hour commute from where I was. And I was just getting there and I look at my Delta app and they have delayed my flight by four hours and switched me to a middle seat. And I was like, fuck this. Come on. <laughs> and I talked Ugh. to, you know, I got I got the seat worked out. We weren't meant to fly through the air. No, I guess that's the, true. the key point here. Yeah. We should respect so God's more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just jump right into my peach since we're, so we're going to do one peach each. We have a theme song for that. It's played. Bam. One peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each. My peach is, the reason I was in New York is uh, my friend and collaborator and producer Jim Roach and I were part of a kid music industry event called the Hootenanny. Bill Childs, who was a recent guest on the show, was one of the organizers. And we went and it was fucking awesome. We met tons of people. Uh, in that space I'd never met before, heard lots of music, and it was just really great. So it was nice to be in a space with like people in that world and actually get to talk to people and see what everyone's doing. And oh, I loved it. And it was also just nice to be back in the New Jersey, New York area where I grew up. So yeah, Wait, I, I have to I have to do another peach. I'm sorry. Hold on. Unprofessional. 
I, yeah, well, that's what I do. Uh, my Smooth Jazz album is hey. here. And the first single came out, but I just want to show. So I, I, this is my first ever solo project. I made oh the vinyl. Oh, my God. Nice. It has a printed inner sleeve. A nice, wow. pure white vinyl. Uh, no. wow. <laughs> I so own good. I, I made this. It is available for pre-order. This is somewhat of an advertisement. Uh, we'll put a link, and this is what the back cover. Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Looks like. it How did the release of the single go? It went great. Like people really like it. I'm very happy with it. So I'm, I'm thrilled. Hell yeah! Congrats, right. dude. Those, those are my peaches. Thank you. All right. I'll go next because mine's short. Uh, I was sitting on my balcony last night looking at my phone, and it was kind of like overcast and cool out, raining a little bit. And then there was like a flash of pink in the sky and I put my phone down and I just watched like that sunset went off. Oh, Uh, Rachel said the same thing about last night. She said the sunset was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I watched it from the moment it was happening until it was totally dark out. I didn't do anything else. I just put on some music and I sat there and I watched it and I really, I felt like a human being. It was beautiful. Amazing. What's that like? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not used to it. Very jarring to the point that I journaled about it extensively. <laughs> <laughs> Human moments. Yeah. Wow. HM. So that was my that was my peach. Uh, what about you folks? I've got a quick one. I'm just going to say the quad shot vanilla Odie from Civil Coffee is my peach. I have to I have to acknowledge it because I get about four of them a week. And that's four shots in four there. Four shots. Four shots. Holy you need fuck. the four to to counterbalance the sweet. They don't put too much vanilla in there, but I've really been cutting back on my sugar. So when they put the four in there, it's like the perfect balance of their homemade oat milk, their homemade vanilla, the espresso they use is phenomenal, and then they put a little black sea salt on top. Oh, and it's shit. just Ooh. the whole balance awesome. of this thing. When it hits my tongue every morning, it's like, <sighs> okay. I love it. The problem with that is before it hits my tongue, just really tense until that moment Oh, and then happens. if you don't get it for yeah. any reason, I mean, like, I have to be really careful. I can't go past a triple or it will trigger a hypomanic episode, which, uh, you, like, I can't I can't go to Dunkin' Donuts anymore. Oh, wow. Because wow. they're off. It's so I don't strong. Know what it Wait, is, but I... what? Oh, yeah. I've triggered multiple hypomanic episodes by having one Dunkin' Donuts coffee. No, just a normal coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, not a normal coffee. This is this is my fault because I get a medium ice mocha with an extra shot. And that is Ah. so much shit, but it's delicious. People often like they look at me weird when I get a quad shot from Civil. But I'm like, this quad shot is the same as a normal cup of coffee at Starbucks in terms of caffeine content. And people don't realize that Starbucks especially is so over caffeinated. And oh, people yeah. wonder why they feel so anxious after Starbucks. Like, well, it's extremely over-caffeinated coffee. Well, and also because you just spent $7 on a coffee is why you feel anxious after Starbucks. Yeah, I true. do want to say that medium iced mocha extra shot spells mimes. With the <laughs> acronym. You're right. You're right. You want to call Dunkin' Donuts and help on them mimes, out with a new ad please. campaign? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Malika. I got a quick one. Also, this is kind of a bonus for your Patreon people. We have a what, uh, what, is what is it at Hyper a new toy. Oh, a new oh. toy. Let's see the toy. What's the toy? Check this out. <gasps> Whoa! But, but but what do you got in your hands, Zach? Oh, I'm actually controlling a robot with an Xbox controller. Oh my god! Wow. Well, we have a robot in our studio now. Is this the it's thing controlling. that we were talking about the other day? You got probably. Delivered? Yeah. So we've got it tied to virtual production. 
So yeah, I can control the camera. Is that a virtual background we have? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we can look around that place if you want. This is a little bar scene. So that's the camera looking around, but we can also move with uh, Unreal controls. We could actually like be like, well, let's take we this have camera. We have this on a little iPad remote control. Yeah, I could actually move the Unreal environment around a little bit. This is dope. Too. I 100% thought that was a real I did too. Set. I just I thought that guys. was like a section of your studio or something. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, my that's, God. This is a whole wow. Unreal bar. Yeah, so we've been going through training for a couple weeks now because this robot is extensive. So yeah, God, that's so cool. That is cool. I still have to come by and see the the space. The studio, yeah. yeah. I'll give you a full tour here. We've got <gasps> the ceiling, <laughs> the actual ceiling. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, lights. Yeah. You know, that's definitely. Oh, look at that ceiling. We've got the wall. Uh huh. Yep. Nice I've wall. Heard. Floor. Nice. A chair. Wow, Chairs. Table. Avocado roll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Another floor. Some C stands. Yeah, there, there you go. You've seen the whole studio now. It's like you were here. Incredible. <gasps> Ta da. Oh, wait. So, so hold on. The, the image we're looking at is currently what's on the LED wall. Is that what yes. we're seeing? Okay, got yes. it. Yes. But because we are getting camera tracking data from the robot, there's that fake parallax effect yes. because it's being fed into Unreal in real Amazing. time. We can tell the Fantastic. robot at this distance in space. We can set a target within, like, between us and say, at this distance in space, Cartesian axis control around it. So when we're moving the camera... Oh, that's my favorite kind of, kind of, like, of access control. It, it kind of, like, keeps us in frame and works around this position in the virtual space as well with Unreal. But if I move over here, it'll just start moving around that position. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of Unreal, it's unreal how great this episode was wow. uh, to have both <laughs> of you on it. Segways. <laughs> That's professional transitions, courtesy of Dr. Brian Wecht. But no, really, guys, this was awesome. You two do fantastic stuff. And you're just great people. So I appreciate you taking your time. I know you're busy all the time. So thank you for being here. And it's, it's great to have you on. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, this has been a delight. If people listening to this want to check out your stuff, where do you want to point them? HyperRPG.com has all the links. We are HyperRPG everywhere. You're Zach Lim Eubank. I'm Malika Lim Eubank. Zach Z A C. Just Z A C. No Zach. No Zach. No Zach or no Zach. Such a kid of the 80s. You know, I thought I was unique until I come to LA and then meet everyone else my age whose parents also thought they were being clever. So it would be great to have your name spelled S A C K, but pronounced Zach. Um, right. As a kid who was already bullied in high school, <laughs> I disagree. That maybe maybe wouldn't have been as great. Yeah, even okay. just Point. being ZAC would still get called sack. So uh, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to lean in on that. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, folks at fair home, enough. Thank you thank so you, much for listening to another sack episode of Late Night. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Don't name your child sack. And don't, don't do it. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Look, if you're listening to this and you're like in fourth grade, don't bully just be cool just be cool if you're listening to this in fourth grade yeah uh congratulations on having an extremely developed attention span well and inattentive parents yes (laughs) yeah congrats to you (laughs) all right everybody thank you all bye bye cool late night is produced by brian wecht leighton gray and jarek centeno Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Knight, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Knight, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com.